Today on Watching Your Wealth, legal disputes between cohabitating couples are increasing. We'll look at why. Plus, be careful when you file your taxes online. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Advice for making, keeping, and protecting your money. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Coming up, how to protect yourself if you file your taxes online. But first, we'll look at why there's more legal disputes between cohabitating couples. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Jocelyn Davis is president of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, and she's here to tell us why more cohabitating couples are involving lawyers when they split up. Welcome, Jocelyn. Hi, Veronica. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, Happy to speak with you. So, Jocelyn, I would love to know, why are we seeing more legal disputes between cohabitating couples? Well, it's because there are more cohabitating couples. Mm. The divorce rate is declining, and there are more people who are living together unmarried. Gotcha, gotcha. So what are some of the things they're fighting over? Well, they fight over the same things that people who are married fight over. (laughs) No shortage. (laughs) They fight over financial matters, uh, parental rights, uh, financial support, uh, property division, all, all those same types of things. Now, you as a lawyer, are you seeing an increase of cu- in couples creating cohabitation agreements? Yes, uh, we, we do see an increase, and that has happened in recent years. Over uh, the past um, number of years, there were just not that many people seeking cohabitation agreements. There were some same-sex couples who sought those agreements, but for the most part, they were rare. Now, people are becoming more informed, and we have more unmarried cohabitants, both opposite-sex couples and same-sex couples, and as a result, we're seeing an increase in these types of agreements. Give us a quick overview of actually what these agreements are and what sort of things they cover. These agreements are contracts between unmarried individuals. The contracts are treated just as any contract would, even between strangers, mostly governed by state law. So uh, these are very state-specific, and you've got to be aware of the law in the particular state in which you are residing in order to understand the implications of these agreements. Because depending on that state law, these contracts may or may not be enforceable. Is that is that all right, inference there? Well, in part, in the vast majority of states, contracts between unmarried persons are enforceable as they relate to certain things, such as property interest, uh, but other things, they, w- they may not be enforceable. If there are things uh, relating to uh, children, for example, These types of agreements, although they may be of some indication as relating to the best interest of the child, they would not be binding on a court. Gotcha. So in terms of what might be included in these agreements, you're talking about what, you know, what happens to your checking accounts or other financial uh, assets you have, property. What are some of the things that might be covered? Yes. uh, With two people living together, they may cover things like you mentioned how they're going to handle their money. They may want to pool their money and treat it in a certain way. They may want to use their money for 
uh, certain things to make purchases, and then they want to delineate how that asset that's purchased would be owned. For example, a house. There are situations where, where uh, unmarried cohabitants want to buy a house together, but they want to be very specific about who is going to own what, particularly if their relationship falls apart. Mm. So that, that mm-hmm. in, in contracts relating to real estate is really a major area that these contracts pertain to. That seems smart because you'd want to protect yourself. In general, do you recommend couples who live together get these contracts written up? Or do you think, is that taking things, uh, I guess, to another level? Is that getting a little serious if they're involving in many In many circumstances where unmarried cohabitants are putting their money into the relationship because they each have expectations that they will receive the benefit of their investment to make sure that they do they need to seek the protection of an agreement because otherwise what happens is the state's default common law is what applies so it makes it much clearer and easier to enforce and the parties have an understanding about what their financial circumstances are if they use a contract rather than falling back on common law. Right. And if you have this maybe in place, you might end up spending less on lawyers later potentially because you have an agreement to reference. Is that is that a... That's a very yeah. good point. Mm. Yes. I'm wondering... It probably depends on the state, but what's the range in terms of the cost it would be to create one of these agreements? There is a range, and I would say typically you're you're looking at between a thousand to five thousand dollars, depending on whether you're in a rural area or in a metropolitan area, because the hourly rates of lawyers vary according to the location. But it also varies on the complexity of the issues involved and how many issues that the unmarried couples want to cover in an agreement. Mm, so it depends on complexity. That makes sense. Any last things we should think about before we run and when we're thinking about cohabitation? Well, these agreements are, for the most part, designed to pr- protect financial interests. And when people use these to do so, it's a good thing. They are able to uh, have an understanding and protect themselves and the money that they earn during the marriage or that the services that they render to the relationship protected. There are, there are um, some cases where, for example, you'll have one of the unmarried cohabitants who is a stay-at-home uh, party or a parent, and uh, the, other, uh, co- the other party to the relationship is working, but there is an expectation of the non-working party that that person will receive a benefit. Mm. And that benefit can be spelled out in an agreement, but there has to be what we call consideration that is given for that benefit. So it, it can be complicated, but those are important issues to have an understanding about when you are in a, a cohabiting relationship. Important issues indeed. Thank you so much for your tips, Jocelyn. Very helpful. Thank you, Veronica. I appreciate the afternoon with you. My pleasure. And thanks again to Jocelyn Davis for joining us. Coming up, how to protect yourself if you file your taxes online. Stay tuned.
Hey, this is Jason Gay. Are you liking this podcast? Well, then check out my podcast, The Free For All, where I talk about I talk about everything, man. That's why it's called The Free For All. For more info, go to wsj.com slash podcast. That's slash podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. That's The Free For All. WSJ Pods. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. If you file your own taxes online, take steps to make sure your information stays safe. Check that the website you're using is encrypted. Your website browser will likely have a locked symbol in the top left-hand corner that shows it's secure. File your taxes as soon as possible and beware of any emails, texts, or calls from the IRS. The IRS will get in touch with you via snail mail. They won't call, text, or email you. So if this happens, a crook is trying to steal your information. Don't contact crooks back. If you're unsure, contact an accountant you trust and ask for help. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.